Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This is Julio Rodriguez, and this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. Come all, gather from, from near and from far and let me spin you a yarn about an off-season in which literally nothing has happened yet. Uh, this is the Lookout Landing Podcast. We talk about baseball, specifically Major League Baseball, with a focus on the Seattle Mariners. And uh, we haven't recorded an episode in a while because I think, I mean, I can speak for myself at least, we're kind of just waiting for something to happen. And uh, nothing has happened. So if you if you wanted to hear people talk about Charlie Morton signing with the Braves, uh, we're not going to do that. That does not qualify as something around here, although I'm sure the lovely people who cover the Braves will have something to say about that. Um, but we're just going to talk about what might happen, what we hope will happen, what potentially will happen for the Seattle Mariners uh, this winter. And to do that, uh, I, Matthew Robertson, am gathered with Kate Prusser and John Troopin of LookoutLanding.com. Uh, how are y'all doing? How is the Thanksgiving in the pandemic situation for you? Hello. Hello. Uh, I mean, you know, Thanksgiving's Thanksgiving. We always have a small one because small family. So um, didn't feel all that different. Um, I'm pleased that there's no more. I was really worried that with like the second wave coming and the second wave of lockdowns, there was going to be shortages on stuff. But um, so far, that seems to be only the toilet paper still. I continue not to understand why people hoard toilet paper in the pandemic. Like, it's toilet. Like, take what you need. Don't take more than that. Take what you need. Come on, people. 
Yeah, I've had that conversation a couple times, and it's basically what I've landed on in every one of these conversations is that people are assuming that the shits that they're taking at their office are now at home, right? So that's maybe, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe five a week, which does not warrant buying three extra cases of toilet paper. Like, you don't need... You're not shitting more often because of a viral infection that you hopefully don't even have. You're just at home more often. So maybe people are just, like going to the bathroom to pass the time you know like making shit <laughs> making like shitting an event sort of thing it is true that you want an excuse to get up from your desk as much as possible and you don't have any kind of like social interaction so you know the going to the bathroom becomes an event but i think there's something more like i don't i think it's just that that became the thing that everyone got panicked about and so everyone who has a lot of generalized anxiety about the the pandemic, that is a thing to, like, feel control over. Like, okay, well, well I'm going to be okay because I have mountains and mountains of toilet paper. Like, it is, it's a weird way to exercise control in a situation over which we have very little control. So, yes, if you are one of the people who are hoard buying anything, be it flour, be it toilet paper, be it yeast, whatever has been kind of... Mason jars are apparently super difficult to get, um... Yeah, just like examine your motivations as to why why you feel that need because I think it is a lot of like people trying to exert some degree of control over their lives and like man just go take a walk outside. That 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 also feels like exerting control and and is much better for everyone and everything. Yeah, John, you want to weigh in on this? You have any thoughts? <laughs> um and my my day job involves uh, trying to come up with creative ways to keep kids off of their screens, but also entertained. Uh, so the lack of mason jars has actually been the most directly impactful experience for me, because mason jars are a great uh, base component of a lot of sort of craft projects. Uh, so that has been a pain in the butt. Uh, otherwise, you know, Thanksgiving was reasonably solid. We just took a walk and then food and bags and everyone took it home and ate it and um you know I'm, i i love that you know it is my favorite holiday you know cons the, the conceit behind it at least is very you know is something i i find very it is your pleasant. favorite holiday because it is socially acceptable to eat as much as you can and actually rewarded so yes yeah. yes yeah. i receive commendations <laughs> and actually get chastised. praise yeah i get chastised <laughs> if i do not uh sort of gorge myself enough so yeah I'm thanksgiving is is the day for you to be a superstar exactly uh, thanksgiving is the most dudes rock holiday that we have <laughs> It is. It is indeed. It really celebrates just doing nothing, sit, staying seated for like eight hours, watching football, drinking, eating terrible, mm -hmm. terrible food. It's the best. I also really love Thanksgiving and was able to somewhat salvage it. It felt yeah. weird, obviously, but uh, still, still pleasant. I will posit that for the exact opposite reasons, Thanksgiving is kind of the worst if you're on the other <laughs> side of that gender gap, uh, because Thanksgiving for me is a lot of stress. It's a lot of planning preparing cooking cleaning and uh basically i spend friday just like flat asleep and just sleep through friday because thanksgiving is extremely stressful for me on on all levels so yeah i'm here to here to represent the dudes don't rock side that's, that's fair i think we can handle it. 
You know, after all the after all the dubs that men have taken over the years, I think we can handle <laughs> one small L. Yeah. Yeah, I had a nice, though. I had a nice little movie weekend. I watched two uh, very feel good, very very Caucasian movies. Uh, when Harry Met Sally and Easy oh. A were my mm. were my weekend treats. Uh, both Was good movies, very watch watchable. Either first watch of When Harry Met Sally, but not Easy A. Easy A came out like when I was in high school, so that was like very much in my wheelhouse. I just hadn't seen it in a while, and I saw that it was on Netflix. And it's short. I love a short movie, so I fired that up. Uh, When Harry Met Sally, though, this is not why we're here, obviously, but I think I could make the case, at least for movies that I've seen. I don't know, you know, I haven't seen every movie, but it is the whitest movie I have ever seen. It is so white. Yeah, (laughs) deeply white. The only black person who has a speaking line is a waitress. Not great. And uh, those little, like, you know, in-between scenes in that movie where they do the interviews with the married couples one of those couples is asian and that's literally it that's the only people of color in the entire movie you know i don't i don't like it when harry mess out like i don't i've watched it and i was expected maybe i had too high of expectations about it um i really like the whole friends to will they won't they uh navigating that but I just, it left me so cold. Like, I yeah. did not feel any chemistry between those two actors. So. I was the same way. I feel like, well, I mean, this is part of the movie, obviously, but the whole time I was sitting there, like, these people would hate each other. Like, there's no way that they would want to be near each other. Like, from the very beginning, also, they meet several times, very confusing during a first watch. Like, oh, they meet in college, and he's a huge dick, and then they just keep crossing paths, and he's still kind of a dick. And she's like, oh, well, maybe if nothing works out, I'll just fall back on Harry. It's it's a very weird movie. I feel like I had been conditioned to believe that it was like the gold standard of rom-coms. <laughs> yeah. So like you, Kate, I went in with high expectations. And then afterwards, I was like, that was just like a movie. Like, it, there's nothing yeah. great about it. The dialogue is pretty good. Whoever, I think it's it's either Nancy Myers or Nora I think Efron. It's a, I, I think it's Nora Efron. Yeah. So the the writing is good. Like the dialogue between... Harry and Sally is good. That's like the thing that I noticed. But then other than that, I did not love it. Speaking of Nancy Myers, though, I watched uh, The Holiday was on um, on Thanksgiving go. night after I was finished with all of my cook. They must have known the exact right time to put that on on Lifetime uh, because it came on right when I had finished like the last of the Thanksgiving dishes and was sitting down with the last of the Thanksgiving cocktail and I mean, it's a Hallmark movie with, like, a big movie budget and better acting and better writing, um, but it's, it, I thoroughly enjoyed. That is a way more romantic to me movie than When Harry Met Sally. Yeah. If we were yeah. drafting rom-coms, which w- no. we might come to that as this off-season drags on and on and on with nothing happening. I'm really concerned about what our show fodder is going to be in, like, mid-December. Yeah, I've I've been thinking the same thing. There's only so many ways to fill an hour when we have to, like, kind of try to stay on the Mariners track. Like, we're already 10 minutes in. I haven't mentioned the Mariners at all, but I feel like if we were to drag this on for a whole hour, people would start to figure out the ruse here. Like we're trying to do as little actual baseball conversation (laughs) as possible. But I should mention today, the day we are recording this is November 29th, 2020, two years to the date 
that one Jeff Passan told the world via Twitter that there is, quote, <laughs> significant momentum toward a deal that would send Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz from the Seattle Mariners to the New York Mets, a deal which did happen, obviously, and, and you could say, I don't think it's hyperbole to say, change the entire trajectory of the Seattle Mariners <laughs> franchise. Yep. Fair. Definitely fair. So it's happy anniversary to all who celebrate. Um, two years to the day, which... You know, I feel like this year the big thing has been like, oh, what is time? I have no concept of time. But two years feels exactly right for that. Like, that is nice and grounding, you know? I'm like, okay, that still makes sense to me. It was two years ago that the Mariners started to tear everything down. I don't know about you guys, but that feels like exactly the correct amount of time. I feel like Mets fans would say that it would feel like that had happened yesterday because they are still... Poor Jared Kelnick should have a way to block all, like, anyone with, like, Mets in their screen name. See, but time out. We know Jared well. We monitor his online behavior. He does this (laughs) on purpose. He loves it. He He does. I think he does. I think he probably does. It is. I think he could not have imagined a much better way for things to go of just, like, Jared needed some people who, like, Jared, I think, needed to be viewed as sort of a villain, by some people, I think this is actually a, a very useful component for him. I think uh, for somebody who was a little overlooked in his draft class, I always felt like, even though I thought he was one of the more premier talents in that draft class from the high school side, he was he didn't get some of the same acclaim as some of the other guys. And I felt like he was either by how he positioned himself or like how the media talked about him a little bit of an outsider in that group. He was a little small. I mean, he doesn't look so much like the same physical specimen as like a Nolan Gorman or something. Um, So I think that now he's got two fan bases instead of just one and um, feeling like he, he definitely came out of the deal better. And yeah, I mean, everyone wants to hear about how their exes are not over them. So I'm sure that that feeds Jared's <laughs> ego pretty well, right? 100%. I feel like he definitely has studied at the, the like white athlete school of like, give yourself an edge, you know, like he doesn't really have any like huge obstacle he's had to no, overcome he's... in his life. So he's sort of I think he's made this trade into like his Joker yeah. origin story. No, you know? Absolutely. No, the, I mean, That's... right down to his new like branding logo, where it's like, it basically is like, I'm the Joker, like JK yeah. kind of thing. I mean, yeah, the Mets, nobody believed in him, uh, which means almost everyone believed in him, but the Mets believed in Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz enough and that's equivalent i think and we hopefully as mariners fans are going to be grateful for that uh manufactured chip on his shoulder oh i think he added to that chip this summer as well with like not being called up and fueling some frustration i don't even know if that was like legitimate frustration or again just like some kind of kindling that he needed to use as fuel to get through what was admittedly a really challenging year to for self-motivation, especially if you knew, like, he knew he wasn't getting called up, but he had to make himself feel like he deserved to be called up and was left out. And again, yeah, it's just that kind of furthering of your own self-mythology, which I think, as Matthew accurately points out, is what a rich white kid from Wisconsin who has been the best player on his baseball team for his entire life, uh, who played for Team USA, 
that's what he needs to do in order to develop some kind of a an edge, as you say. Right. Nobody believed in him except for Team USA and an MLB <laughs> team in a major media market who drafted him in the first round, and then another MLB team that specifically sought him out in a trade. And Other a bunch of that, prospect writers, and yeah. a bunch of fans, and prospect hounds, and... Yeah. Nobody. <laughs> nobody nobody believed in me except everyone did. <laughs> oh man. So I guess that also though we should mention uh in a on a somber note I think that Robinson Cano the man who was part of the trade that got us Jared Kalanick has been suspended again uh by Major League Baseball for a drug related offense. Um kind of a bummer it, I would it's say the I mean Stanisolololololo it's the like yeah. serious one this is not a masking agent this is like a straight up dude was taking steroids straight up steroids, steroids in his body which like this know, is the big bad east german swim team kind of steroid Yeah this is the I'm 37 years old I got to ramp up <laughs> this dosage or uh, I, I gotta really make sure that I get these last couple counting stats before getting to the Hall of Fame, which now, of course, is out the window completely. Um, but I think that was part of the motivation here, and also like I think Robbie has sort of seen the writing on the wall and like knew that e- like steroids or not, that like he was on his way out. Like obviously, getting traded in a deal that brings one team like young hope and talent is like a surefire sign that you're becoming a little bit washed. Like they wanted to offload him and his contract uh, to get younger and better. And then now I think he's maybe overcompensating a little bit and trying to do hella steroids. Uh, I don't know. Obviously that might be unfair, but I was upset in like a, uh, Oh my God, like we're gonna have to have this conversation again, sort of way, not upset at him necessarily. Cause he's also not our problem anymore. That's kind of the beauty of, Brody Van Wegenen and this yes. whole Mets trade. So thank you, Brody, as always. Thank if only Mets. Brody had accepted your LinkedIn request, I feel like things Dude. would have taken such a different turn. I it's like the so curse many. of the sea witch. I sent him because the first time I tried to add Brody Van Wegenen on LinkedIn, I didn't say anything. I just sent him like a standard request. He ignored it. So then I kept sending more with like the little personalized note i think on one of them i was like hey brody i have some really good baseball ideas and he ignored that one too and had he accepted that one then i would have had an in to like talk shop with him and be like hey brody let's figure out your roster here but he didn't want any part of that unfortunately and now he's left with a crumbling roster and egg on his face and no job so who won in the end brody me also if you want to come on the podcast we will have you <laughs> keep that winning streak uh, going come on the pod exactly exactly this is your time to i feel like you know the the trend in media right now is like oh i want to control the narrative you know you hear that all the time i want my own platform to give my side of the story there's no better chance to do that than on the lookout landing podcast uh disgraced former mets general manager <laughs> Also a good chance to reverse the what we call the Matthew jinx. So It's a great point. Yeah, that is a really good point, Brody. Ball's in your court. Um, but what were what did you guys what was your initial reaction when you saw that Cano had been suspended again? Because it kinda came out of nowhere too, like dead of the off season. I personally had not been thinking about Robinson Cano in a while, and then that news comes <laughs> across and sort of flips that completely. Yeah, they supposedly weren't even testing. So I mean I guess if you get popped before they they make sure to put you on the testing list and for a good reason, I guess. Yeah, I was mostly just disappointed. Like, 
I've always rooted for Robbie. I believe that no one loves baseball the way that he loves baseball. Um, and I think that he's somewhat of a tragic hero figure in that he made choices that he thought were good, that he thought were good for preserving his legacy, but they ultimately wound up sacrificing his legacy. And, you know, it's, it's very sad to me. It's a lesson in not letting something become so important to you that it, it closes out your value system. Yeah, I, there have been few players who I think increased my enjoyment of watching the Mariners the same way that, you know, Cano did in, in the time that he was here. Um, and it's it's a real, I, I remember how it felt the day that he got suspended the first time. Um, Kate, you know, you and I were talking about this, like. Oh, I remember exactly where I was. I was sitting on my bed when I saw, I had to sit down, like, when I saw the first kind of wave, and I was like, oh, no, oh, no, this guy seems pretty credible. It's one report, but this guy seems to be pretty credible. Oh, no, oh, no. Mm. And I just remember feeling sitting there and feeling it like it got punched in the stomach. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, like, I'm not a... I'm not, I would say, a hardliner on steroids, like, especially going back in time, you know, like, we, when we talk about Hall of Fame stuff, but, like, it is pretty clearly and well understood against the rules, and, you know, like, it's it's not, I mean, it's it's cheating in baseball, it's not like, you know, there, there are worse things that someone can do than, than cheating at baseball, but, like, it is cheating at baseball. Um, and you know, I think I get, I get frustrated cause it is like, there's so many things that happen in major league baseball that are against the rules that are not enforced. Like, you know, pine tar use, uh, you know, underage scouting and contracts like so, you know, plenty, not that those are equivalent, but like there are tons and tons of things that MLB has rules about that they don't enforce and that they do enforce this one, but then, you know, don't really bother with others like i don't know i think there should be i am very disappointed i'm not really a big fan of him at this point but uh yeah i don't know it it, it just i i guess i'm i'm really really glad that we didn't have to watch this slow decline slow series of things happen to him on the mariners um not just because of how good the return was, but because of just how grim that this, you know, the discussion would be around the contract and the the signing and how it all didn't work out and how the team wouldn't have made the playoffs the last couple of years anyway, probably. So I'm glad that that is a, that potential timeline is averted, I guess. Yeah, I'll say like it won't affect my memories of him on the Mariners at all like because that's no, all no. in the past like those are already saved to my mental hard drive you know I think that it's also convenient that he's like he's appended to Nelson Cruz in a lot of the who is an angel yeah. a perfect angel himself a steroid uh a, that's what I was gonna cheat, say that's, I guess you could say it's so it's right. so funny how people can just decide to like look past it for some people and then for others they're like oh well I hate him obviously Mm -hmm. Well, I like D. Gordon. Like, I mean, like the Mariners have had some of the literal men of the year, you know, on their team who like they did a baseball cheating, you know, like which which is bad and and you know, but it, but it does not necessarily keep you from being able to be 
a person, human being worth rooting for, especially if you're contrite and you are, you know, you, you, you take the, put in the effort to make amends, which I think you saw from D certainly. And you saw from Nelson Cruz. Um, yes, absolutely. And I mean, but Cano did it too. He had the RC 22 foundation, which then his big gala had to be canceled the year he got popped for steroids. So that, I mean, just that is, um, pretty damaging to the legacy. And I think you can't rehabilitate that image if, especially on the second time around. It's it's just, it's two different paths. And I think Nelson Cruz chose a really good path, like made a mistake, repented, went about building his body the right way, committed himself to this regime that has kept him healthy, but also, you know, knew when to exit the playing field. And it was a struggle for him too. He did not like DHing, but he taught himself to do it. And, you know, he made sacrifices and and was a person of character. I think baseball a lot of times gives us these tests of character. Like, um, I was reading uh, Colin McHugh is one of my off-season targets. When we get around to talking about that, I would really like Colin McHugh uh, if he's available for a reasonable price. Um, but he was talking about the Astros cheating scandal. And he was like, yeah, you, th- you think you're going to do the right thing. And you want to do the right thing. And then it was a failure of... of bravery it was we weren't brave we didn't do the right thing and you want to believe you will but do you when it comes down to the line and i think we see that a lot with people choosing and people will choose to do the wrong thing um and it's how you respond to that i think that is as much a measure of your character as whether you made the right choice in the first place Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Yep, yep, yep. So while we're on the subject, sort of, Kate, you had a nice little entry point here. Uh, The whole reason why we're recording this episode is to try and figure out what the Mariners are doing. Obviously, they haven't had any tangible actions yet. I'm sure there's a lot of internal discussions going on. But uh, we've basically turned this episode over to the listeners. You guys sent a bunch of great questions, which we're always grateful for. So we'll try to hit some of the relevant ones um, regarding off-season plans. But I think the first one, the logical one to start this off, comes from Anthony Peck, who just simply wrote, what does a successful off-season look like for you? I like this is intentionally vague. We can go a bunch of different directions here. Uh, For me, it's pretty simple. I'm not going to get like into specifics of like actual moves they could make just for the sake of brevity, but I just want to see them try, like spend money, go for it, take a risk, you know, do something. And I think there is, you know, there's obviously has to be some caution because you don't want to 
make the future worse for one decent year kind of thing. But there's no reason, I think, not to at least make one swing this offseason. Because guess what? If it doesn't work, you can come back again and try again next offseason. There's no salary cap. The Mariners are very rich, just like every other team. Like, don't do anything drastic, you know, maybe not. I wouldn't love to see a $100 million contract, but I would maybe like to see a bunch of individual deals that add up to equal something close to that. You know what I mean? So I just want to see them make at least a little bit of effort rather than just sit on their thumbs and cry poor until next offseason. I agree. The I think the, the big things are just putting the young core in a position to make a playoff run like that's that that is very much doable with the with the sort of stipulations you lined out um and doesn't require you know committing yourself one way or the other on a lot of players but like there is enough you know if if you have the young core and you have decent players around them and the young guys don't take a step forward you know then that is what it is but the you know giving the being in a situation where you know, J.P. Crawford's playing well, Kyle Lewis is playing well, Justice Sheffield's playing well, Evan White's improved. You know, you maybe you have Jared Kelnick up at midseason or, you know, even sooner, ideally. And the team is, you know, kind of hanging, but, but it's being let down because they're having to play Tim Lopes a bunch. They're having to play, you know, uh, start, you know, the seventh or eighth starting pitchers. They have a bad bullpen because it's a bunch of, you know, waiver pickups, that would be a disappointment because that would be, eh, we're just doing 2020 again. And I think to progress, you need to fill in that, you know, that almost intentional gap that they left last year. Yeah, I think a successful offseason means you've taken a step forward. It's not just waiver wire uh, pile of arms in the bullpen, but... And they've basically said, like, that's basically the only thing they've committed to do is to overhaul the bullpen, which makes me a little nervous because the track record, a little spotty. Uh, Nicasio, Zepchinski, um, I mean, Ciszek was okay. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm uh, biased because I had to recap the game where we lost on a walk-off wild pitch from Steve Ciszek, so uh, that has always kind of colored my perception of that signing. But, you know, he, he hung around and was decent for a while, but it's just been so much churn. And um, bullpens are, I know, probably the most difficult thing to build. You do not know. They're like a black box. Like, you do not know whether they're going to work until you actually get them out there. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm nervous about that. I feel confident they will work on upgrading that. Um, I, I won't, I want another bat. I mean, maybe Ty France is your guy and that's great and everything. I'm not super sold on Ty France. No, uh, me neither. Not on an everyday like for yeah. DH of a a team that's trying to compete, you're gonna want a little more production than Ty France. I well, think. I don't know what they're thinking. Where they're thinking they're going to play him? I don't know who's gonna play third base in the future if Kyle Seager isn't there. Like I am, yeah, pretty nervous about the batting average of the the in the batting abilities of the infield because Evan White, I believe in him. He will figure it out, but. What a rough, rough year. And I mean, he, he didn't get a chance to face triple. This was his 
his triple A year, but in a much harder sense. Uh, so that, I mean, J.P. Crawford's bat, I feel like, is very much a... I want some kind of a steadying offensive force. And that's been Kyle Seeger, but it can't be forever. So um, I'm worried that um, the Angels are going to get Tommy Pham. Not Tommy Pham. Colton Wong. Uh, and that's going to be... So, yeah, I would like to see a player of that caliber. Somebody who is a steady bat. Um to kind of hold down because the outfield I believe that Mitch Haniger is going to have a big bounce back year like I'm almost penciling him in as a free agent kind of signing because he's going to bring some offensive production that has been missing from the lineup back to it so yeah. I feel good about that but I'm real worried about the infield's consistency offensively defensively they're great offensively I have concerns yeah, I, I think you're spot on there. The um, the potential to have one above average offensive player in the infield is pretty high. Um, you know, one average offensive player in the infield is reasonably high. You know, I mean, um, you know, Dylan Moore has to show he can sustain what he can do, or Ty France or Shed Long have to be able to stick or find a way to you know keep it going and like. All three of those guys have question marks. Evan White, question marks. J.P. Crawford still hasn't hit for any power. I think might have slugged less than he OBP'd um, or, or reasonably close. Like, that. that is not a super encouraging crew there. Um, so, yeah, I, I would absolutely love to see them. Uh, you know, not that Colton Long is an offensive stalwart, but make a move of some sort there. Uh, or go, you know, find one of the younger uh pitching prospect or not prospects but pitching options out there who have shown some sort of high level talent and and get them onto a uh sort of multi-year option kind of deal because uh, i think there are a few guys out there obviously james paxton uh but you also have you know chris archer um you've got a number of different pitchers taiwan uh taiwan yeah absolutely this I is mean, a good place to talk about colin McHugh as well who yeah. i think if he's fully healed is not uh, somebody you would put on a long-term contract because of his age mm -hmm. and i think there are other teams that would be ahead of us in the pecking mm -hmm. order but that's somebody who can come out of the bullpen he can mm -hmm. make spot starts for you you can kind of bring him along as you're developing justin dunn hopefully in tacoma so yeah, I mean, even if it's, you know, you could even go Corey Kluber or Garrett Richards. Like, there are a lot of pitchers out there where it's like, you have the components of being an ace or you have been, you know, or, or a high-level starter, and you've been that before, or you have shown that you could be that in stretches. And the Mariners can afford to make those signings not out of a 2017 kind of situation where it's like, we're hoping, and this is plan A, and there's not really a plan B or C other than Andrew Albers. Um, you know, cause, yeah, because yeah, you know, worst case, you know, if you're coming, if you're in May or June and you've got Nick Margavichis and LJ Newsom in the rotation, no, that's not good, but those are interesting young players who, with the opportunity, could show that they could be starting pitchers or, or some sort of big league pitcher, and that is a lot better than 
you know the 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 pitching depth is so much better than where it has been, and so much more promising than where it has there been are no Tommy Malones in that we expect no. to see in uh in the big league rotation this year, and that I think is this might be a first for that. I guess maybe last year if you count that, just letting the young guys have run, um, yeah, and those were painful pitching performances to watch but watching LJ Newsummer just undone struggle is very different to me from watching Tommy Malone or oh god Giovanni Nate Carnes anyone <laughs> yeah. yeah one yeah. of these like retreads absolutely uh, yeah Gallardo yeah. that was his last name yes no I think that's I mean I think you're hitting on it exactly yeah. where it is it is those were like... those Ariel Miranda, bless his soul, CPBL legend, but extremely <laughs> painful to watch pitch. Um, no, I mean you're, you're hitting on it exactly. Is the you're just trying to fill out a roster with competency so that you know if the competency falls through, you're putting out youth as opposed to you're putting out you know whoever you can whip through on waivers. Um, but you want to give this roster a chance to succeed at its best so that. If it falls through, you're still getting development. You're still seeing, pro- you know, giving chances for progress. Um, and, you you know, it doesn't have to all come together this year. But making a roster that it could come all, to, you know, all come together this year, that's what we're looking for. Right. I think the Mariners should sign Kevin Millwood. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's around. I'm sure he's around. He's got to be around. Part of a no-hitter. That's not nothing, folks. Go watch the YouTube clips. Um, we touched on a couple of questions in that little section. I want to shout out John Edwards, who asked, what are the odds of free agent reunions with James Paxton and or Taiwan Walker? I'd say it's very high, if not assumed already, that Taiwan Walker will be on the <laughs> yeah. move. I think Taiwan Walker might show up, whether he signs with yeah. the team or not. Yeah. Like, He's just gonna show up thing- in Peoria. He's going to do the thing that J.R. Smith does with LeBron, where he's like, I'm on your team, right? Like, I just yeah. follow you yeah. wherever you go. Yep. Yeah. Um, but I think a better question might be, what sort of deals would you give to those guys? I feel like Taiwan pitched well enough to, like, earn himself, like, a fairly, like, a three-year deal worth, like, a good little chunk of change. Paxton is a little more interesting to me because there's still just that huge uncertainty over everything that he does you know yeah both of them are in a tough uh, both of them are in that bracket down from the top tier uh taiwan i think is higher than paxton just because of health um which is a wild thing to say which is wild basically missed two years (laughs) with with, and then made 10 like 10 starts yeah but i mean and Taiwan's velocity was not uh, what it was, but it returned somewhat. And, you know, you can see that there's a progression there. And other than just the injury, he he wasn't a very injured player coming up through the minors. Paxton, just his body, it's like the Mechaniger thing. Like, it's just been... Th- remember when he injured himself doing push-ups at training camp? Like, he tore yeah. his thumb ligament or whatever it was. I mean, it's just, it's been like Mitch, like a bizarre series of injuries. So mm-hmm. I think, unfortunately, I don't think the Mariners will spend like we want them to spend because they're going to cry poor like every other MLB team. And I think Taiwan is going to be out of their reach financially. Even if he wants to come back, like he's not going to give them a hometown discount or anything. So... I could see after the top 
pitching free agents go off the board, Taiwan becoming more in demand and his price tag going past what the Mariners are willing to pay and past the amount of time that they're willing to extend him. Because they don't, you know, they've got that crew coming. They don't need him for very long. So, so I feel like I feel like a Paxton reunion is more likely just because he still has ties to the area just as much. And he's friends on the team. Well, he and Taiwan are actually still really good friends. Um, he's still got ties to the area. I think he's still got a house here, you know, obviously from British Columbia. Um, but I just feel like he he had a rough time in the New York media spotlight and might be happy to come back. And also, like, his his brand now, and we talked about this with Austin Einhorn on the, on the podcast, who's Mitch's trainer, which you should go listen to that podcast if you haven't yet. It was very interesting. Um, it's very hard once you're branded an injury-prone player, and I think that's definitely the label that Paxton's carrying around. I yeah, find it's it... It's quite unfortunate. I find it very interesting uh, that that you think sort of the Paxton return is more likely than the Taiwan return. I I don't I don't know that you're wrong necessarily, but I I mean I would put pretty small odds on both of them. I think we're going to get someone super boring who I don't like at all, like Brett Anderson or something. <laughs> but I honestly I do think, think yeah. that no, I, I yeah. Well, here's what I'll say: I think a Brett Anderson signing is very likely, regardless of the other outcomes. I think he makes a ton of sense, but could not be much less interesting. Um, I do think Taiwan does fit weirdly in this in this reagent class because of how many sort of decent but not ace level uh, arms there are uh, and Ty just like his the main thing he has going for him is he's the youngest starter out there by a good chunk um, you know he's 28 still everyone else is you know of, of a quality is at least 31 and most of them are 32 33 pretty much um, so I think other you know Taiwan, I think, could come back on like a three-year, twenty to twenty-five million deal because he just hasn't had, you know, he hasn't been that good. Like he he's had good stretches, but he's just never has put it all together. And even this past year, you know, he was, uh, you know, he was sort of decent, but he 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 didn't ultimately have, you know great peripherals uh and you know i think there's a lot to a lot to look at and wonder about him i mean he had a 243 babip like that is you know do you think that's that's really who he is i don't know um and for paxton i mean his mile per hour were down three miles per hour from his normal like it it really is going to be tough to see if he's healthy but i do think the mariners could absolutely fit him in with their six six guy rotation and i think that's an appealing fit so uh, i think taiwan i would not put it high odds just because any free agent signing specifically is tough but i think he's a good bet uh for them to be in on paxton i think if it's late in the game and no one signed him then it could be maybe an iwakuma kind of thing where it's like surprise we brought paxton back (laughs) yeah i i think you're both right <laughs> which is a cop out but i i wouldn't be surprised either way i'd be shocked if they got both i'll say that but i definitely wouldn't be surprised if the mariners kind of like rewarded taiwan walker for putting together a good season coming back from injury during a pandemic and 
being like, hey, we'll we'll give you like a pretty good deal just because we like you and you clearly like us. But also, I think if we wait until like a month before the actual regular season starts and James Paxton is still out there, like, yeah, the Mariners should give him a one year deal. Why not? You know, like I think that the the risks here are pretty low if you do short deals because like you said we have so much reinforcement coming and I think that the Mariners understand that like the fans want to see these things whether they actually act on that is a whole other thing but they definitely know that they could curry a little bit of favor by signing either of these guys so that's definitely something I will be monitoring but I think they're gonna if anything they're gonna do Taiwan plus uh, another sort of blah sort of deal for like a Brett Anderson type or like a middle reliever who can swing to the rotation if something bad happens. That's like realistic, but I would love to see them go for something a little bit above that. I just don't think that the Mariners have any interest in doing that whatsoever. Yeah, I think something that should be considered is like the Mariners definitely think about how to put butts in seats. They have to, right? Like, there's a reason we've had a Japanese player on the team for every year since Ichiro. It's because they curry that audience and they want to maintain it. So, um, you know, I don't think that's a super cynical way of looking at things. That's just, uh, that's just business, baby. So facing <laughs> some significant losses uh, in t- and needing to put butts in seats with a team that is not really in contention yet. I think a signing like Paxton, who's a huge fan favorite, um, you know, you resurrect the Maple Grove, you have like a built-in fan section there. Or Taiwan, again, huge fan favorite, interacts with people on Twitter. Like, those are guys who will specifically put butts in seats for the Mariners in a way Brett Anderson just will not. So, like, You can slow play it and hope that Brett Anderson makes the team better enough that people come out and see them and and be invested in all the other young kids. Or you can kind of pay a little bit of a premium to get one of these hometown connected guys and know that you'll have like kind of a built-in fan base for them from day one. So it's just different strategies, but I wouldn't be surprised to see them go that way. Yeah. Yeah, okay, I think that, uh, Kate, I think we've held John's leash for a little too long here. We should finally let him go and ask him about Mitch Hanniger. We have a question about it, too. So it's it's really everything's coming up John right now. Uh, Garbage Sprite on Twitter, loyal listener, big fan. Hello, Garbage Sprite. Uh, they said, did you see Mitch Hanniger's Insta thingy where he was taking a swing? Obviously, I know you saw it, John. So I, yes. I want the full, I want the full breakdown. Maybe if someone hasn't seen the video he posted, <laughs> um, explain it to them, and then also, I tweeted a- it. I tweeted it like midnight last night, and people okay. are so hungry for baseball. I was like, this is too late, but I needed to tweet it so I could put it in the links, which I was doing at midnight last night. Um, so I tweeted it not expecting any kind of engagement because I just needed to have it. It's a, a painful process, but in order to transfer an Instagram stories video, I right. have to screen capture it on my phone and then tweet it off my phone and then I can put it in the links. Very annoying. Very inside lookout landing here. Um, but it got like 3,000 views of the video at like 100 likes at midnight last night. So... That's how hungry people are for either A, baseball content, Mariners related, or B, Mitch Hanniger content. Maybe well, yeah. C, both. 
I was going to say, I forget quite often that he's even still on the team. So that's why I think for me, it was like, oh my God, like not only is Mitch Hanniger part of my life again, but he looks amazing as amazing as you can look he in a batting good. cage by yourself. I, I yeah. know a fuzzy video, but he looks yoked. He looks it good. Is, it is the equivalent of when basketball players post videos of themselves in an empty gym yep. guarded by no one, like yes. hitting yeah. a bunch of uncontested shots. And you're like, oh my God, he looks great. And you're like, well, wait a minute. Any NBA player should be able to do that. I, I but think with I Hanniger, forgot, though, like just Mitch Hanniger has an aesthetically pleasing swing. It is right, level. Right. It is balanced. It's, it is gorgeous. I he mean, it is it one well of my too. favorites. Shouts to Mitch for good uh, framing, <laughs> yes, good directorial, yeah. good directorial vision. Hey, that might have been someone that I wonder who was holding the camp. That could have been his wife. Like, who knows? Oh, there's speaking of his wife. There's a little baby Hanniger coming, who I think was supposed to come in November at some point. So, uh, congratulations, possibly to new, wow. new Papa Mitch space. Hanniger. Yeah. <laughs> um, I I think Hanniger's swing, Kate. You know. It, it is it should be on like one of those like satisfying things compilations where it's like it, I'm you know like Robinson Cano has a beautiful swing like uh, you know Ken Griffey Jr. has beautiful swing I don't find Mitch Anders swing beautiful but it is very like ah yes this is a thing working exactly as it's meant to be like um, so yeah I, I mean ex- and that's not beautiful to you I I, I think it's just slightly different. I think things. that's it's more, beautiful. It's more work. It's more workmanlike for me. Like to me, I see like a nice, well-running automobile as opposed yeah. to like the sports car that Cano or Griffey was. I, see, I think this is lefty bias, and I mean, I do love is. a, le- I it, do it, love it a lefty swing. It's not a home run swing either. It doesn't have that loft, but yeah, fine. If Griffey and Cano and all of them are are fancy sports cars, Mitch is like a beautifully maintained. 1998 Subaru Impreza. I yes. I think it's yeah. I mean I I will say I'm, I'm trying to think of like a beautiful righty swing. I think Manny Ramirez had a beautiful right-handed swing. Um, you know to to try and balance out our, yeah, our sort of. You know who has a beautiful right-handed swing? Who's that? One Julio Rodriguez. That's true. Julio. That's true. Well, you know what? I actually think Edgar also had a beautiful right-hand swing where like it was graceful. Like Mitch Haniger is not graceful. Mitch Haniger is. Like it, it looks. I mean, it, it looks just like looks he's like, trying. Yeah, it looks. Yeah. It looks very like everything has lined up correctly. Like all the all these gears in the little like it's like looking inside a watch. Uh, it's like oh, this is really cool. Uh, but <laughs> I don't know. Anyway, it is encouraging to see him swinging a bat full effort, probably at a fifty-five mile per hour pitch. But you know who knows, um, and. I uh, I am extremely encouraged. Like Kate, I am I am optimistic about Hanniger. Having, I mean, it was certainly helpful talking uh, last week with his trainer. But at the same time, like Hanniger is really good, and and it's it does feel like hey, did he actually exist? Does he actually exist? It hasn't felt like it for a long time. But uh, I'm I, giving John a run this year for biggest Mitch Hanniger fan, Hannistan. Wow. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm coming for that crown Look, this I, year. I have I wore my Hanniger jersey today while I was out <laughs> doing errands and I have a Hannibal t shirt that is in the wash, so you're gonna have to step up your, your merch game is all I'm saying on that. 
I'm wearing tie dye, which I think helped because I was watching Tom Brady get his ass kicked. <laughs> I felt like I felt like those things were combined. I feel like Tom Brady has like a very moral obligation to tie dye. So and it, you think and he's, you think he's plus pro tie dye or anti tie dye? No, I think I think he's very anti tie dye, and say. I wanted him to lose, so I, I put this say. shirt on and then watched him lose. It was great. I don't I don't want to cross the streams here, but this does sound like a tweet for a certain account. Um, it is like an. It's a Bill. If Bill Walton is the anti Tom Brady, then all of that tracks. Which I, I'm gonna have to yeah. do some research into this. But yeah, Absolutely. I could see that. I think Tom Brady thinks that if you smoke weed, you like have like a manic episode, no matter what. I think he thinks weed is crack. So I don't think he has any interest in wearing tie dye or anything that's like weed adjacent. I think he hates it a lot. <laughs> Meanwhile, Patrick Mahomes probably doesn't smoke weed, but I bet he wears tie dye. Yeah, and he he beat Tom Brady handily. So anyway, this is not a football podcast. Just to look into Matthew's little Sunday, watching Tom Brady lose. <laughs> Very fun for me personally. We can finally we'll end this podcast with some some armchair GM kind of stuff. Uh, this is another one that's sort of teed up for John and probably for Kate. Definitely not for me. Um, Brandon Keba on Twitter said, "Any potential fits from the KBO or MPB markets?" Names that stand out, Ha Sung Kim, who we've talked about and John has written about, but also uh, Mel Rojas Jr. and Tomoyuki Sugano, who I don't know anything about. Mm, this so, is a John-only question. I, yeah, I, lo- I, love, I love a question that's genuinely a question. Like, I don't know the answer, so I'm, <laughs> I'm asking any potential fits from the KBO or NPB markets. I will say from the little that I've done, the research that I've um, put in, I think Kim is a pretty good fit for the Mariners, mm-hmm. and I know who Mel Rojas Jr. is because he's like a non-Asian player who dominates in Asia. I don't know anything about Sagano, so John, the floor is yours. Uh, yeah, well, I can start with Rojas. Uh, Rojas has a great deal of similarity, I would say, with Eric Thames, uh, or Eric Thames, not Eric Thames, uh, in that he's a sort of quad A uh, guy. He actually never got called up um, in the bigs. And went over, has just been one of the preeminent sluggers over there. He's 30. He is coming off of what is almost certainly going to be the KBO uh, MVP season. 47 dingers. Um, like 349, 417, 680 line. Um, I mean, just really immense power hitter. Uh, he's sort of a... He's plays outfield uh, there, but he's definitely... Um, limited defensively um i think you could sign him but i also am you know i mean he was a a third round pick in 2010 you know people have thought he was going to be good and he has hit well but um he would be sort of like one of many options if you're looking for a way to uh fill the like left field gap for a little bit and i don't know that he's the most interesting one um sugano is the more interesting fit he has been an ace in uh the mpb for quite a while uh and like an ace ace like a mate like multiple years of sub two eras um as a you know 180 inning guy each year um he's played for the yomiuri giants 
um, who have not historically posted as many uh, players, um, and they've been very successful and have had the clout to hold on to their players. Uh, but Sugano is going to be 31, um, has like a low 90s fastball, good arsenal, absolutely could be a fit for the Mariners if they so chose. Um, I don't know. I, he's not like better than – he's not the top pitcher on the market now, but I think he would absolutely fit in in like that second tier with like Masahiro Tanaka and like uh, – who else, who didn't sign? Uh, well, with like what would have been Kevin Gaussman and Marcus Stroman, I think he's he's sort of in that tier. Uh, so I think there will be a lot of interest. I don't know if he fits what the Mariners are going to be willing to spend on budget. But is he young? Sorry to interrupt. Thirty-one. How old is Thirty-one. This guy? So not oh, okay. not old for like a starting pitcher to hit free agency. But he's not like he. Yeah, he he's not. You know, he's. Four years older than you say Kikuchi was when he came right. over. Tanaka old was for 25. a pitcher, young for an adult. Yeah, exactly. Um, so very much someone interesting. I think there will be enough of a market uh, and a lack of, of alternatives at the top of the market that I don't think he's the top pick for the Mariners. But could be, and, and not not disinteresting. Um, there was. Uh, one other uh, potential person going to be posted, um, and I am trying to find uh, who it was. Uh, I believe it was the top pitcher in, um, or another top pitcher in KBO, but I am... While you do that, John, I just want to quickly say, uh, we got a question from Andrew Cunningham at jru underscore see you i don't know how to say it sorry uh what fa slash non-tenders would make the m's reconsider making dylan Moore the everyday second baseman next year which first of all i'm not so sure he's the everyday i think second base is going to be something that there is um some flexibility with between ty france dylan Moore, shed long if he's up and healthy um but i think that that is where Kim? Is it Kim? Yeah. Yes. Could fit it. That's where Kim could fit in, is if the Mariners were going to tender him a contract, I think that that could make that an interest. I, I don't feel like that position is settled, so that's something yeah. to kind of monitor. I agree. Those are, like, to give, like, name. I said it earlier, like, I want them to take a swing. If you want me to, like, attach names to that, like, what does that look like? For me, it starts with Kim. Like, take a chance on him. He's young. He can play second base. And then if Seager dips, he can play third base. And also, I would love to see them do a short deal for Michael Brantley to come in and be the DH slash adult in the room. But Kim, much more so than Brantley. I think Brantley is being really hotly pursued by the Blue Jays, and I think is... Well, tell the Blue Jays to fuck off. <laughs> I think I think Brantley is out of their uh, pay grade. Like, the Astros would like to re-sign him, but the Blue Jays really want him. So, uh, And that's a team that needs outfield help more than they need anything. Like, they've got a really solid offensive infield. Um, they need some pitching. I think they would love to have Taiwan back, even though they misused him in the playoffs. 
Um, but yeah, they, they are really just missing that vet. First of all, veteran present. Anyway, I'm going to let the, I'm going to let the Blue Jays overpay for Michael Brantley. This is Kate angling for a Canadian passport, which I get. I understand what you're doing here, Kate. You're trying (laughs) to find, you're trying to find a Canadian person who will take you under their wing, (laughs) let you you into the country as America falls into whatever is happening. All right. Look, first of all, I I already set that up like way back in, I already, I have, I have gotten my, uh, my get out of America free jail guard. And that is the mother of Lewis Boyd, who is our drafty slash podcast guest slash Mariners prospect turned Mariners coach, who's younger than some of the players he was coaching. Anyway, he has a fantastic mom named Kathy, who has already assured me that uh, that I can be part of her her. Repatriation slash repatriation project. So, uh, I'm covered. I'm covered. Yeah. Oh yeah. He's Canadian. He's uh, Vancouver area. Oh, well, hello to the Boyd family. Yes, my name is Matthew. <laughs> no, 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 no. That's that's my space. I have reserved that spot on the floor. Go find your own friendly Canadians. Actually, I'd be happy to be like a, a live-in housekeeper for the Paxtons. They seem like a really chill hang. Oh, absolutely. Him, absolutely. Him and Except Katie Jones. Matthew, yeah. uh, last I checked, you do not cook nor clean. Oh, <laughs> I clean. Okay, I clean. You definitely I'll clean don't, before I cook. Do yeah, not cook. Absolutely. Though, yeah. That's fair. That's Maybe fair. they could take both clean. of us because I cook. I'm not a very good at clean. I, I'm seeing I, I more of like cook. a like a production assistant. Like I just handle all, <laughs> all of their tasks. Like I'll go to the grocery <laughs> store for them. You know, I'll make sure that if they want to go shopping, I can do that for them. That sort mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So uh, John, I have, yes, in, yes, in the interim, I have uncovered. Good vamping, Matthew. High five. <laughs> uh, yeah, so the, there's not a particularly notable KBO pitcher coming out this year. However, uh, another solid pitcher out of uh, the NPB is uh, Kohei Arihara, who uh, has been on the uh, Hokkaido uh, Nippon Ham Fighters, um, who... Also known as Shohei Otani's old team. Yes, indeed. Um, and has less of a track record than Sugano, who like has been the leader of their national team. Uh, there's actually, I believe Sugano pitched in the joint uh, no-hitter that the uh, Japan national team threw against the MLB All-Stars several years back. Um, which was in Japan uh, and was a real trip. I believe that was in 2014. Anyway, Arihara's going to be 28 uh, this year. Um, has low 90s fastball, throws a lot of pitches, um, not necessarily quite as prominent of a strikeout pitcher, um, you know, less, less blow away kind of stuff, but could easily be like a number four starter um, on uh, the right team. So he actually is someone who I think the uh, Mariners could definitely look at, um, you know, bringing in a 28-year-old decent starting pitcher uh, who gets a lot of contact. um, Absolutely is up there, Allie, considering how good their defense is. And uh, he would be, I think, a less costly option. So 
that's someone to watch. Um, they are notably uh, Tetsudo Yamada, who is kind of the every year everyone or people check is Tetsudo Yamada being posted. He yeah, is not being I know posted. that name. Yeah, uh, one of the best second basemen in uh, potentially in the world. Um, he's been a really extraordinary uh, hitter. Um, 30-30 just several years in a row uh, this year with a shortened season he did not get there but uh, previously uh, had been just basically in the 30-30 range since he turned 21 in 2014 uh, he's quite something but no not going to be posted unfortunately uh, sticking with the occult swallows so he may or may not ever come over and it's a bummer because this actually would be the year where it would make a ton of sense for the Mariners to try and push for him. But it is what it is. Well, it looks like I will have to play for the Yakult Swallows uh, just in case. If they need like an insurance policy, if they decide to let him go, yes, I, w- I am available. I will play second base. Uh, one of the positions that I did actually play in my youth. So hit me up, <laughs> Yakult. I've mostly just been hanging out all year. I mean, decent shape, can field a ground ball. No uh, guarantees on my hitting, but more just for me. I want to. I want to prove to myself that I can still do it. You know that sort of thing. Um, anyway, let's end with. I, this is a kind of an interesting subject because we got a lot of like classic. I get it. Like I understand why everyone does this. A lot of classic like fake trades. What if like what does this get us if we package these guys together? What can we get? Uh, specifically, one. I was asking about Braden Bishop and Justin Dunn could get you what? And like to answer the question, I feel like that's not more than like a back end starting pitcher. But this is the type of deal I'd be more interested in next season, next off season anyway. Like if when we have a better idea of how the Mariners look over a full 162 game season, then we can try to figure out what they need to supplement that. But I would also just want to caution all of our listeners and all Mariner fans in general about falling into the trap of trading for the sake of trading. I feel like Jerry Depoto is partially responsible for this as well, just because the man loves a trade. Like it's fun. It's the easy thing to do from home because most fans have a pretty clear idea of like what pieces are expendable and what pieces that Mariners need. But let's like not spend the entire winter doing the like, Oh, what if we do this player from the major league roster? Plus this kid from double a, does that get us Chris Bryant? Like I don't fuck. I don't fucking know the answer. Like I really don't. Um, like it's, it's baseball trade values has got you on that. Although I think some of their valuations are uh, a little wild, right? But so go, like, go play with that. <laughs> I to just to 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 satisfy this crowd. Like I do understand. I think if you're gonna start any of those, like oh, let's try to trade some of the the prospects, like Justin Dunn makes sense i want to see what he's got like i feel like they have more time to just let him pitch and figure it out now like we don't need to trade justin dunn right now just for the sake of trading i want to say a couple things like first of all i think people are expecting depoto like he's made this uh name for himself as like mr trade trader jerry etc etc like i really think that if you look at the pace of trades that he's made, it has slowed. Like, as the ball club has started to resemble what I think is his vision, as the turnover from the Jack Z era has become almost complete, um, it's just the the amount of trades is going to go down. 
And at this point, like, uh, it was frustrating when the Blake Snell rumor came up, which as far as I can tell is just a rumor. I don't know that there's any kind of interest on Seattle's end uh, other than just due diligence checking. But they're not going to trade Jared Kelnick or Julio Rodriguez plus other stuff for Blake Snell. Like, that is trading for the sake of trading, so... Um, it was fun to think about and everyone kind of glommed onto the idea to the point where we had to write an article about it, but it is, it's not going to happen. That's trading for the sake of trading. Yeah. With Snell, like I would be okay with the non Julio or Jared prospects just as a starting point in the conversation. I agree with you though. There's no reason to trade Julio and Jared who like, that's the whole pharmacist. Like that's that is what the Mariners have. And if you give that up for Blake Snell, then this whole thing, the whole like advantage that the Mariners have goes out the window. If you just punt one of those two for Blake Snell this early in their career. So I just, I feel like, you know, it is fun. Like I said, every sports fan loves a fake trade. It just becomes very tiring after a while. Like go outside every once in a while and please let me rest is really what I'm saying. I don't want to see all your fake trades all winter. Uh, <laughs> and, like, what people are willing to give... Like, nobody is really interested in Braden Bishop. I'm sorry. as like, Except as, like, a, a, a pen, appended to a much larger trade. Like, there's not going to be a trade for Braden Bishop and Justin Dunn. Um, unless you are losing money on that trade and some that, other... Team. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's... To me- that smacks of like a mid-season trade, like in a hypothetical world where Dunn is struggling and the Mariners are somehow still in contention and like need one specific piece. Yeah. That's when you'd be like, okay, yeah, maybe we'll do Dunn and Bishop for this like middle reliever who's left-handed and we've been struggling yeah. against left-handers, like that sort of thing, maybe, but not in an off-season. No, I, I what what the Mariners have that they are willing to give up right now is not anything any other team would be interested in i think unfortunately uh john i think kind of looked at our best trade candidate in kyle seager which is also riddled with problems because if kyle seager is gone it's ty france your everyday third baseman i don't love ty france at third base i don't love ty france defensively anywhere on the infield as an everyday player so um yeah it's just i'm not I'm expecting an offseason that is more free agency signings than it is trades. And even at that, it's going to be quiet. Like, it's a quiet offseason. So go, I don't know, follow what the Mets are doing or, like, laugh at go. the continued tire fire that is the Phillies who are becoming the new Mets uh, or, you know, other things. But if you're looking for, like, sheer entertainment value or, like, dopamine hits out of the Mariners, uh, this is not the offseason for you. Yeah, a better question actually for next week, if you want to do it, would be which free agent will the Angels sign and then waste their prime for the next three years? That I will, <laughs> I will do extensive research. If someone asks that question, I will give a very detailed answer next week. I mean, the Angels. If you want to talk about a Blake Snell trade, if they're willing to go give up Joe Adele, I mean, maybe they could give up like. Jordan Adams and Brandon Marsh and something else to get him. Um, I think that the Angels are a team that would legitimately be considering trying to get Blake Snell because 
They want to be competitive right now. They do not have time to wait around for a bunch of these pitchers that they have. They have nothing (laughs) coming down the line in the pipeline. Like, they've got to make some big signings, but they've already laid out a lot of money. So I think that's going to have to come from trade. So, yeah, I think the most interesting teams to watch in the AL West are not going to be the Mariners, not going to be the Astros, actually not the A's. I don't see them having a big offseason either. I think the Rangers and the the Angels are going to be two teams to watch because I'm still confused about the direction Texas is going to go. Like, I think they need to do a full rebuild, but I have been hearing that there's some pressure on Daniels because of that big new stadium that they just got to field a fairly competitive team. and then Which is know, beautiful, according to my two sources, Joe Buck and John Smoltz, <laughs> who are getting paid to say that. <laughs> Yeah, that is, uh, it is an overgrown tough shed, and it is hideous, but it is expensive. Uh, I think the nicest thing you can say about it is it's air-conditioned, so maybe fans will go no matter what, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested. I think that definitely those are your two more dynamic teams as far as off-seasons in the AL West. Yeah. Not the Angels making another short-sighted move. (laughs) (laughs) They have to, though, right? Like, this is their trial window. Like, they've got to... They desperately need to import some pitching talent to that team immediately. Like, they should have done it last year. They were worse than the Mariners last year. Worse than us. A team that was ostensibly not trying. Like, to me, this... Anyway, I think it's the last year that we're really going to get to dump on the Angels because I think they're under some really dire pressure that maybe like DePoto was under in 2016, 2017, uh, but worse because I think that this could be, yeah. uh, well, I mean, whatever, Billy already lost his job, so... Maybe they'll I like give... what you said, though. The thing you said earlier about like the the Jerry Depoto trades that sort of got him this reputation were because he wanted to create his own system with guys that he wanted. Now yeah. that he has those guys, he's yeah. not going to then immediately trade all of them away and no. start over again. Right. I I think there's a framework for like those sort of little trades that you know you suggested at the top. If it is like you're getting maybe a higher highly paid veteran back as well as like a very well-regarded young player because I think something like Dunn and Bishop for you know like an Ender Inciarte or like a Yoshi Tsutsugo if you're going to the Rays and then getting a very talented nearish to the bigs prospect back I could see something like that where it's like okay we have a lot of young pitchers we're gonna move one of the you know we're gonna move Dunn and get you know somewhere some player at the position we don't have a lot at, but I, I think you guys are right. Like they're, they're mostly set up and for the angels, I think the most sensible one, and I don't love doing it cause I like him uh, generally as a player is signing Masahiro Tanaka, who has been playing his entire MLB career on a torn, partially torn labrum that he never got surgery for. Um, and then uh, finally, suddenly, going to Anaheim and needing surgery. <laughs> um, I personally am excited for the Angels to sign Trevor Bauer. Yeah, I mean, God. I think that would be... It's going to happen, right? I mean, he's UCLA guy. Like, they're going to pimp it as a big homecoming or whatever. It's it's gross, but it's going to happen. 
which will really like just that is absolutely the most angels move and I will be so pleased when it happens even though I really don't look forward to facing Trevor Bauer a bunch it does feel like he's destined for one of the teams that fucks up in free agency every year like the angels like the Phillies who you mentioned earlier some team that like feels like they have to just do something without really considering everything else that surrounds it like Trevor Bauer in the Philadelphia media market would be a disaster and I feel like I'm part of me wants to see it and part of me is doesn't want to wish that on the nice people of Philadelphia the nice people of Philadelphia I don't know who you've been talking to not I mean the you the morally deserving maybe people of Philadelphia but the people who have been starved for sports competency it is true that is that is very true oh god the Eagles the 76ers are terrible yes Philadelphia sports are and yet that is also where they draw a source of their strength from like I think if a Philadelphia sports team was actually good like half the city would just short out like there would be no power they would not understand and it's because all that simmering rage that powers the city would have disappeared so well stay tuned folks and find out which major american <laughs> city collapses this offseason due to incompetency from their local baseball company it's going to be fascinating um, thank you to everyone who listened to this episode, which we've dubbed the podcast about nothing, as there was no news, <laughs> no. no anything to really There's guide nothing. us. <laughs> Just the power of your spirit and I guess <laughs> Twitter.com. Uh, so thank you to everyone who like chimed a ten in. 10-minute discourse about rom-coms. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell us your favorite rom-com. Once we post these... Because we're trying, we I would love to see some comments on LookoutLanding.com on the podcast. They usually don't get very many comments, so let us know what your favorite rom com is, especially if it's a low key, off the beaten path one. Uh, that would be great. Um, John, anything else to say before we depart? No, uh, we're gonna have uh, some stuff coming out this week uh when this when this pubs on uh just a few other ways to you know try and go at the off season and you know i know it's been slow but we're coming up on the rule five draft we're coming up on the non-tender deadline not you know not like the hot you know not the new hotness sort of the new lukewarmness Um, no but there are going to be some really interesting non-tender uh candidates out there as teams continue to cry poor and uh, we've yeah. already heard some really interesting names tossed around. Gary Sanchez in New York. Yeah. Uh, Steven Matz from the Mets. It's it's going to be where we sort of get a sense of teams are going to have a full sense of, okay, who all is available. And then I think you're going to start to see some movement. And this coming week is also when we're going to get a, you know, the, the league and the players are going to get together and decide, so are we going to have a DH in the National League again? Which makes a big difference on how yeah, teams it's are wild. going to spend That money. is wild that they have not sorted right. that. Because so. I know the Pirates are a team that is desperately kind of waiting to hear about yeah. that because they have a I mean, block at first base. And... The, the Mets, too. Like, they have this owner with, theoretically, a ton of money suddenly, but, like, they have six DHs. They, you know, they had seven, <laughs> and now they one of them got suspended, so they only have six still. But, like, you know, you you got to find somewhere to play all these fools. So Yeah, um, I know there's a lot going on, but, like, we're basically in December now, and the fact that the DH issue has not been settled yet is 
wild yeah. to me. So I, I do think, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to pop off. It's not going to be an NBA free agency kind of exciting stay up and then suddenly everything That's happens. not how baseball do. That's never how no, baseball no, do. No, no, no. But it is going to start getting a little more interesting and, and you should hold some small comfort in that. that things are going to start happening. Yeah, by next week, five Charlie Mortons will have signed. (laughs) (laughs) We're just replicating Charlie Mortons. Like they thought, we thought they were solving the coronavirus, and instead they were just figuring out ways (laughs) to clone Charlie Morton. (laughs) You get a Charlie Morton, and you get a Charlie Morton. That's what America needs: is a steadying presence to pitch those late those late innings in October. That's basically what what we've been missing for this whole year. I, 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 I know you're joking, but I don't disagree. Yeah. Charlie Morton for Biden's secretary of whatever. <laughs> secretary of competence? Yeah. <laughs> secretary, secretary of, of dull competence. <laughs> yes. I would take uh, any of that. Any and all of that. All right, y'all. This is your secretary of podcasts, Matthew Robertson, signing off. Thank you to John and Kate. Uh, thank you to lookoutlanding.com. Uh, thank you to all of you who listen. Please subscribe. And send in questions. Thank you. Send in questions. Yeah. And until next time, good friggin' bye. Bye. Goodbye. Stuck in them 20 somethings. Stuck in them 20 somethings. Good luck on them 20 somethings. Good luck on them 20 somethings. God bless these 20 somethings. Hoping my twenty-somethings won't end Hoping to keep the rest of my friends Praying the twenty-somethings don't kill